right, everybody. Welcome to Laugh, Lend, and Eat Live on, uh, I think it's LinkedIn and Facebook this, this afternoon. Uh, uh, I think this afternoon. Yes, yeah, 4 o'clock. So it must be afternoon. So anyway, I want to welcome into our Laugh, Lend, and Eat virtual studio. We have the honor of having a New York Times bestselling author, speaker, entrepreneur, veteran, mortgage coach. I think everybody in the industry has got to know this guy, the one and only Todd Duncan. Todd, how are you, my brother? Bobby, it's great to be with you, and I'm, I'm really struggling with the picture behind our picture because I'm looking at all of these donuts, and I'm thinking, man, uh, if I if I don't if I don't take my focus off those donuts and put it right on you, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a sugar crash here in about an hour. But uh, yeah, good to be with you, man. I love uh, I love the theme of your podcast, and uh, thank you. Who doesn't enjoy the idea of laughing and lending and, and eating? As long as we're not laughing at our, our files that are going upside down and right, uh, stuff right. like that. But uh, good to be with you. You know, Thanks. actually, on this Thank Friday is going to be National Donut Day, just FYI. So Seriously? That might How be a you? connection. You know what I mean? That might be a connection. I don't know. National so, Donut Day. Yeah, I mean, don't ask me how I know that. I have a daughter who's got a fascination with donuts. So <laughs> she's a chip off the old block. Let's just put it that oh, way. There, love it. I love it. You know, <laughs> one thing I, I forgot to mention before the show, I think I ran into the airport one time in Atlanta in like May 2019. I don't, you probably don't even remember you travel so much. You know what I mean? I do, though. I do remember running into... I think I've run into three or four people at the airport, but honestly, I can't remember exactly who they are. But if you if you think it happened, it probably did. Yeah, because I was going to this Namba event in Atlanta, and I was getting my luggage, and I look across, and there's Todd Duncan. I'm like, oh, that's got to be Todd Duncan. Looks like Todd Duncan. <laughs> Sounds like must be a duck. <laughs> Quacks like a duck, walks like a duck. <laughs> so listen, this is a live event, and we, we try to condense everything, and we try to get some information out to the viewers who are watching us uh, to make sure that they walk away with some kind of information that they, they can use in their daily life, you know what I mean, especially in the mortgage business yeah. and with the challenges that are going on. But I want to start off with something really interesting right now, Todd, is that I heard you say that you think that over 90% of mortgage loan officers are not coached, Right. And I've been a big advocate of coaching, right, for several years. I think it's, it's a wonderful thing. I think it's needed. For the love of me, I can't figure out how Tom Brady has a coach, but a guy who's been in the mortgage business three years, barely making, you know, cracking uh, $16 million a year, thinks he doesn't need a coach. Uh, what is the mindset of resistance behind not wanting a coach, Todd? Uh, first of all, I, I, I think that the numbers are probably even a little bit higher than that. The way we know that is we have, um, you know, obviously I own a coaching company, but we've had um, a marketing campaign for probably the last three years on free coaching consultations. And one of the questions that our guys ask anybody on the free coaching consultation is, have you ever had a professional coach to help you in your business? And over 97% of the people say no. So only 3% say yes. And for most of the 3%, the reason why they're talking to us is they don't like the coaching system they're in because some of them are just about accountability and they're like cracking the whip. Some of them are a little bit touchy feely and don't have some of the tactical stuff. Um, we had three people last week that joined our coaching system that came from another company and the coaching was great at the other company, but they didn't know mortgages. And so, you know, I think that that's an, uh, the first thing that's interesting. But now we get down to the question. The question is, why don't more people have a coach? And I think probably first it's fear. And the idea is like, you're never going to hire a coach um, if you are, um, you know, going to stay in a state of mind called fear, because we know that what's going to happen with a coach is there's going to be a level of accountability mm -hmm. and, 
you know, you got to get clear on the idea that why would I be afraid as long as I have a healthy self-esteem, which is a whole nother conversation, why would I be afraid of getting better, learning, you know, how to do things better and to have some level of accountability and discipline. So I think that's the first thing. The other one, quite honestly, and I, I scratch my head on this hobby all the time is, is the investment. You know, when I got into the mortgage business, we were in the worst economy that probably this, this, this country's seen yeah. in a hundred years. And when my guy told me, you need a coach, I said, well, can't you be my coach? He said, no, I'll be your mentor, but you need somebody that can coach you. And back then it was $400 a month. Today, our coaching goes from $800 a month to $2,700 a month. But here's the drill. We tell everybody, you're going to get one or two loans a month, guaranteed, no matter what the investment is. Mm -hmm. If you're going to pay $800, we are going to get you another two loans. If you're going to pay $1,100, which is your branch manager, you got people on your team, we're going to get you two loans per LO. And if you are in elite and you run a region or run, you know, a company, we're going to get you two or three per LO for the whole company. Right. And so we make people every day log five disciplines. How many calls did you make? How many were to your database? How many were to your referral partners? How many of those calls resulted in a triggered loan to processing and what percentage of those closed? And we measure that every day. And so what happens in our coaching system is people are able to see their growth really quickly. And they have access to a dashboard every single day that tells them they're over and under. Where are they? What do they need to do to catch up? If they're ahead, how far ahead are they? And we measure those disciplines. And then every two weeks, we measure um, their hourly rate. And the greatest joy in people's faces is when they start to realize, okay, so now I'm making per hour what coaching costs per month. <laughs> who who would not say, you know, that's a great right. idea. So I think the analogy is every great sports star, every great singer, every great rock band, every great, I mean, people have coaches, you have voice coaches, you have story writing coaches, you have book writing coaches, you have physical coaches. I got a trainer Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Mm -hmm. I got a cycling coach, you know, Tuesday, Thursdays and, and Sunday. If you want to be the best version of yourself possible, what would happen if somebody could help you get there faster? Yeah. And and then once you have it, once you have it, then uh, I mean, our turnover rate in coaching is so low, it's crazy. Because once you have it, why would you why would you go the other way? Yeah. Let me ask you. You, you, you said something interesting. I'll be your mentor, but I won't be your coach. Is there really a distinction between the two? I mean, you because you seem to say you're whoever the gentleman was that you were talking to. I assume it was a gentleman uh, <laughs> that you know made a distinction between being a mentor versus being a coach. Is there a really thick line of distinction there? Well, I think um, if you look at it, you have an offensive coach, you have a defensive coach, you have a quarterback coach, you have a line coach, you have a special teams coach. And so coaches are more kind of uh, narrowed into whatever the discipline is that they're coaching to. When you think about being the head coach, you actually are mentoring your specific coaches on how to be effective coaches because you've been there you started out as a defensive line coach or an offensive line coach or you know and you probably made your way up and um and, and that becomes the role then so we always go from from our own business plan to succeeding to you know getting to a higher level of productivity and then and then something flips because somebody helped us get there and now we feel a desire to at least lighthouse and what lighthouse means is i want to be your lighthouse, which is a mentor. And I want to warn you of things that are coming. I want to warn you of things to avoid. I want you to contact me if you're going to make any big decisions, because I think I can help you make those decisions. But in terms of what you do every day and how many calls you make and what your conversion rates are and stuff like that, 
I'm not going to get in the weeds on that. So mentors are a little bit more of a vision and kind of inspiration where the coach is the guy or gal that has a heart to see you win, wants you to be your best version of yourself possible, and is not bashful about bringing up the things that matter most as they see them. And so, you know, those are, those are, those are the differences in my head. I mean, I got, I got three mentors right now. They're all 20 years older than I am. They've been where I have not gone yet. Mm -hmm. And so they're helping guide me to where I want to go. And I got to where I am 30 years Mm. after I started this company, because I was following people that were further down the track than me. I always, I, always look, I always look at a mentor like someone like more like a travel guide. You know what I mean? Like you go to a city, like I go to San Francisco. My wife and I love to get on those little tour buses. Yeah. And then the guy shows us around, you know, like things that I would never know. He's able to point out to me that only someone with that specialty would know about San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. And I think the guide is the guide thing is a good analogy that in our business in the lending business um, at every level, whether I'm a, a mortgage originator or I'm a CEO, um, I have to be a guide because mm. because you're going to be the hero of your own story. If you're if you're an LO and you work for me, if you're a processor and you work for me, whomever it is, it works. For me. Your story is developing. I want to guide you to your best life possible. That's probably more mentoring. I, I you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to get in the weeds every day and coach you, which is why I've got 300 branch managers or why I have two two branches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at, at some level, here's what I know. Um, we have three different diagnostics that, depending on which coaching level you want to go into, we ask you to, to complete. And Fabi, this is amazing. On every diagnostic, 91% of the people that take the diagnostic score below the acceptable lowest level. Not the highest level, the lowest level. So if you think about that, if you could take a diagnostic and you can realize that, let's just make it simple, out of 20 questions, you know, there's only two areas that you're really, really focused on. And there's five of the remaining ones that you're not good at, but it's not because you don't have a skill. It's because you haven't developed the skill, which is muscle, you know, kind of gym, mm-hmm. kind of that kind of deal. And, and then the rest is probably stuff that needs to get done, but can be offloaded to somebody on your team. Nobody passes the diagnostic with flying colors. In our, uh, in our um, High Trust Sales Academy last December, we had 256 loan originators in that room. And um, out of 20 questions, the best score in the room was seven. Hmm. So our job is to enlighten and bring to life, you know, what's missing from the business approach, what's missing from the daily disciplines, what's missing from, you know, your confidence level, you know, where, where, where are you not confident yet? Because the Hmm. thing that everybody that's watching this needs to understand is I've got to move from from not being competent at anything. And it's not just loan origination. If I, I remember the first week I was in the loan business, I had zero clue. I didn't have any clue for probably two months what to do, right? You looked at all of us, right? But, but you know, when I learned how to fly a plane, I, I sucked at flying a plane. When I learned how to snowboard, I sucked at, at snowboarding. When I learned how to golf, I was a horrible golfer. Everything we do for the first time and the second time maybe, and maybe a hundred times after that, we're not good at. When we get better at it, we have confidence that gains. Yeah. And so what, here's the interesting thing. Why, why is coaching so valuable? We move you from incompetence to competence to confidence. And then what happens is when you have confidence, like if you have 100% confidence today, 
on how to approach potential referral partners in our radically messed up economy and sit down with them and do something that no other originator has ever done, and you have confidence in doing that, you're never going to have call reluctance because yeah. you, you, you know what to do and you've done it long enough and right enough where now it's a positive muscle, right? And so I have no fear. And here's what's exciting about that. Confidence, confidence, consistency. And then when consistency kicks in, that's when the compound effect takes over. The consistency and, is a critical part. I mean, no matter who I speak to, no matter what people are doing, <clears throat> it seems that that C word is the, the, I mean, I don't know how, what the percentage would be, but it seems consistency is key to anything that you want to be successful in. I mean, and you've been here, you're right, but here's the problem, which is why I go like this. Uh -oh. you're, you're, no, 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 you're right. But what everybody needs to understand is, are you consistent in doing the right thing the wrong way? Okay. Great. Because no, because because yeah, yeah, like some, my manager could say, get your ass out in the field and make calls. Okay. Well, I am consistently getting my butt in the field and making calls, but guess what? I'm not good at making calls, but because I have to report into my manager that I made 25 calls today, I'm just going to go out and make calls. At least I'm consistent making the calls, but I'm also consistently horrible at making the calls, which means I'm not good at it, which means I've got pain and fear and rejection and all that. And then my manager keeps saying, go out and make more calls. Well, I would rather make less calls and make the right calls the right way with the right people. And we tell people all the time, Fabi, it, you've got to ask yourself, have I gotten really good at doing the wrong thing? Yeah. It's interesting. Most, that most people I, have. I just posted a video two weeks ago about my dog. I got a Brittany Spaniel as a bird dog, right? Hunt, hunt dog. And all these years I was making fun. I was, I say like, I have loan officers like my Brittany Spaniel because he sees a squirrel or a bird and he gets the <laughs> position, but he doesn't know how to get the bird, right? Because I've never right. taught him. Right? I'm not a hunter. I was reading about the Brittany Spaniels. Turned out that they're really supposed to run into the bushes and get the birds to fly <laughs> out of the bushes. The hunter shoots the bird. I had mislooked. I had misjudged his skill level as yeah. a manager. Yeah. And yep. so often I think managers do that with their loan officers. They misjudge the skill level to your point saying, Hey, go out, make calls, make calls, make calls rather than saying, Hey, let's look at what, where you're maybe more adept and more, you know, where your high levels are at. So yeah. listen, let's, just, talk about, uh, let's talk about your high me, trust for a second. I'm sorry. I know oh, we're, no. we're short on time. So I want to get through as much yeah. possible and we want to celebrate yeah. that because look, you just did 20 years on High Trust Academy, right? I believe that's right. High Trust, High Trust Selling, the book. High Trust yeah. Selling, sorry, the book. Congratulations on that. And then 30 years of sales mastery, right? Am yeah. I, hopefully I got that yep. one right. You got it right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. That's a long time. I mean, look, there's a lot of us who haven't been in, even been in the business that year. I think I've been in the business 28 years, right? So yeah. 30 years. Goes back to a question I actually wrote down before we had our pre-interview, right? Yep. What made you think, like, where was that thought that said, I can help loan officers succeed? I can make them better. What was that magic moment, Todd? Like, that's like, because you've got this span of history now behind you of yeah. success with loan officers. We were talking about the numbers. There's amazing numbers, right? In the thousands and thousands. What was that one moment of clarity that you had that you said, you know what? I want to help loan officers do better. So um, there's two answers. The first one is, and I didn't know it was going to be that moment of truth, but three years into the deal, um, the third year, we funded over 400 loans. 
And my managers, uh, my management uh, of the company asked me if every other month could I start training the new loan originators. And so while I was still doing loans, I said yes to that. And I just began to share what I was doing. And I had learned it from somebody else, you know, four years earlier before I really got things going. And and so then um, as each of those people would go out and use what I was telling them, then they would report back and the company would know about it. And so then they wanted to to train more people and to have me in front of more people. And they said, if you could do this for originators, maybe you could do it for our realtors as well. So then they started partnering with a title company and putting realtors and loan officers from our company in a room. And I started doing that deal on how to build partnerships and to do it the right way. And, uh, and I, I did loans for 12 years. We did almost 6,000 fundings in 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I was at an event with my title partner Partner. Her name is Randy Wright. And it was a Tom Hopkins event. And I remember in the morning, she and I were very close to the front. I was listening to Tom Hopkins speak about sales and things like that. But he said, before we even talk today about how to sell more and to sell better, we need to talk about how to live better and mm. how to integrate what we do into our life. Long story short, because we're tight on time, is um, I met him during the first break. I ambushed him, actually. And, uh, and I said, I said, I said, Tom, you don't know me, but I decided about 40 minutes ago to become a professional speaker. And he said, awesome. Stick around all day. Talk to me at the end of the day. And let me see if I can help you. So I stayed all day long. And I'm just thinking about this moment of meeting with him. And um, there's probably 100 people in line waiting for him to sign a book. You know, I kept getting out of line. So when I finally got to talk to him, nobody was behind me rushing me or this or that. And so he looks at me and this is, oh, I'm getting chills right now. Um, no, I'm serious. Cause if this awesome. moment hadn't, if this moment hadn't happened, there's at least 5 million people in the world that I would have not been able to impact. Mm. I know that for yeah, sure. Awesome. So he looks at me and he goes, so you want to be a speaker? And I said, yeah, now listen, Fabi, listen to this. Everybody listen to this. So then he goes, when will you be one? And I go, I don't know. I just like decided this morning. He goes, it doesn't matter when you decided. When will you be a professional speaker? And I'm just frozen. And he goes, pick a date. And I go, okay. And he goes, now. And I go, wait a minute. You want me to pick a date that I'm going to be a speaker based on something I got nudged to tell you about this morning. And you want me to pick a date? And he goes, yeah. And here's why. He goes, if you don't pick a date, you won't have the discipline to drive to that mm. destiny. Pick a date. Mm. And so I go, I look at him and I go, July 6th, which was conveniently six months later. He goes, write it in your day planner. We didn't have any of these back then, right? It was, <laughs> right. All, it was all handwritten. Write it in your day planner. Day planners, yeah. Get your business card out. Write on the back of the business card, July 6th. Give me your card. And if you don't call me by July 6th to tell me you're a speaker, I'm going to call you and ask you why you have not honored this commitment. And right then and there, I had what we call the law of leverage. When you tell somebody your goals, when you tell somebody what you want to do, you're going to get accountability and feedback and you're going to get people that care about you. And he and I went on to develop a beautiful relationship. I started the company, sold my mortgage company to my assistants, which was a cool idea. Yeah. And then I started the company, didn't get our first contract for seven months. And then the first year we generated just shy of a million dollars in contracts. 
And here we are 30 years later, wow. you know, we've impacted over team. 5 million people. You know, the company's generated a quarter of a billion dollars in revenue. It's just like, okay. You know, you know Todd, and all I'm doing is trying to help people <laughs> figure out how to sell well, right? And how many people are with... afraid to ask that question, though? You know what I mean? Like you just <laughs> asked that question. So many people would, I, I would be afraid. I would be afraid to come up to you and say, hey, Todd, I want to be a speaker, right? I mean, it. it I froze and I, I remember Jason <laughs> Frazier and Josh Pitts from Shred Media. And I saw them in Tampa and I said, hey, guys, I, I want to have a podcast. How do you do a podcast? <laughs> and Jason Frazier says, Bob, you just ripped the audio out of your webcams or whatever. And th that's your podcast. Oh, that's it. Okay, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about the question is, um, and I would just tell everybody, the, the idea of, of what Tom did is, is he said, by when? Right. Mm -hmm. So our mm -hmm. coaches, we have a faculty of, I think, 35 coaches. We don't let anybody set goals without a destiny in mind. And the destiny is always by when. So by when will you do that? And here's the interesting, you use the word discipline a couple of times at the front end of our time together. It's interesting. There's some ancient scripture that said that he who neglects discipline despises himself. Mm. It's a very interesting self talk kind of mechanic, right? And that is we, most of us know what we should do, right? Fewer of us know what we should do and actually do it. And even fewer of us know what we should do. We do it at scale and we do it consistently. And I think the interesting thing is that when you're in alignment and you can look in the mirror and you can say, I am honoring the things that matter most in my life. I'm honoring my, my eating plan. I'm honoring my marriage plan. I'm honoring my spiritual plan. I'm honoring my financial plan. When I'm doing what I profess that I want to do, we move from self-doubt and a negative marginalized self-worth to self-confidence and then an exponentially enlarged performance. And as soon as you, it's like, it's like when, you know, people, people like people try to lose weight their whole life and they gain it back and then they lose it and they gain it back and they lose it and they gain it back. I wonder why they gained it back. Why'd they gain it back? Probably because yeah. they stopped doing what they were doing when they yeah, lost they got, it. Yeah. They, 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 they lost, yeah. lost sight of, the, of what the goal was. And but, Darren, Darren, Darren Hardy said something very interesting to me one time. He said, he said the, 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 the thing that is more important than achieving a goal is not letting the goal go backwards once yeah. you've achieved it. Yeah. So in, anyway. my gym, in my gym, they have this sign when you walk in through the glass doors. Yeah. That you're halfway there. Just walk <laughs> pushing in the, into the gym doors. You know what I mean? And I always love that because to me, it's the, sometimes I think to myself, it's the act rather than the result sometimes, because sometimes it's I, all I can do sometimes is just my action. And well, and, and what's exciting about what you just said is, is um, action produces momentum right yeah, so yeah. so action action without thought is like dangerous and and thinking without acting is useless right yeah. and so we know that the simple act of acting is what produces momentum yeah. and then as long as we measure the results then we constantly want to improve the the input so we get a better output and i got to tell you Fabi, success when it really comes down to in the loan business it's it's really 
um, it's really not very complicated. I mean, I got guys that make six or $7 million a year as loan originators doing loans. They just do it at scale. They do it well. They've got deep, deep teams and they long ago didn't need the money anymore, but it's about running a scalable business that mm -hmm. has value. And once you, once you have the operating parts, it's just like, okay, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, 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 repeat. Success in the mortgage business is actually very boring because you do the same few things every day really, really well. And then that's what creates the excitement. Yeah. So, so let's take a pivot here, Todd. I mean, yeah, do it. We're, we're talking about the current economy. We're talking about, yep. you know, successful loan officers, loan originators at all levels, right? Um, there's a lot of loan officers who got in the business in the last 48 months, right? That hadn't even seen rates go over four and a quarter percent. <laughs> now we're seeing rates five and a half, six percent. Um, just one piece of advice or one suggestion, one little nugget that you would just, you know, let them know like something, hey guys, this is what I did or this is what you should be doing, could be doing. If you're not doing it, you're missing the boat. Yeah. So um, if I could just give everybody 30 seconds, I started in the loan business in the worst economy in history. Uh, Prime was 20%, FHA and VA loans were 17%, five points, weighted first and second piggybacks, 18.5%, unemployment was 13 consumer mm. confidence was at the lowest level ever, gas lines were a mile long, and everybody said the sky is falling. And nobody thought that anybody would be doing business in that market. So my first answer to the question is, don't let the market define you. Define what you do in the market you're in. I've got thousands of students right now that year on year are higher right now than they were last year. And they've all been in the business 15 years plus. So how do you in an economy like we're in continue to build the business? You build the business by making sure you're adding value to the relationships that you have. And so when I did the deal, I said, I'm going to create an aura of positivity because everybody thinks the sky is falling. Nobody's going to sell. Nobody's going to buy, blah, 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 right? Well, let me just tell you, it doesn't matter what the economy is, people buy and sell. That's why it's called an economy, yeah. right? And so yeah. if everybody else is thinking nobody's going to buy and sell, then think about the cleansing effect. Think about how many, like out of every 10 loan originators right now, how many, how many of those 10 think that the sky is falling? You know, I've never seen this before. I don't know what to do. Well, here's what you do. The better you get a business, the better business gets for you. The sharper your skills, okay, the sharper your attack plan and the more meaningful your targeting is going to be. Um, what I tell people right now is don't let the rate define you and don't even let the economy define you. People are going to buy, people are going to sell. Um, sellers are going to realign. We're going to have a balanced seller buyer market probably within six months to maybe 18 months. Um, sellers are going to get more realistic with what they can sell for. Buyers are going to stay in the hunt because the longer this thing goes on, the less uh, inventory issues we're going to have. So we'll have more and more inventory, which means we're not going to have, you know, the multiple bid offers going on anymore. This is cyclical, cyclical. This happens all the time. I'm close. I remember the first time Bobby rates came below 10%. I was thinking, wow. And like two months later, they went back to 11 and I'm going, yeah. crap. but then yeah. I had to remind myself, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So here's what I'm telling people right now. Relationships rule. Okay. okay whether you're working with realtors, financial plan, it doesn't matter. Double your net. For the next six months okay don't try to troll 10 people along maybe it's 20 maybe it's 30. right now maybe you can sit down and say i'm going to do 30 and 30. we do that with our coaching clients 30 and 30. 30 appointments 30 days and the net goal is 10 new partnerships watch this bobby 
10 new partnerships, producing two buyer referrals a week, that's eight a month, that's 80 buyer conversations a month. Everybody watching this and anybody in this business, if you convert 25% of those to deals going to processing and 90% of those close, you're closing 180 loans in a world where nobody thinks anybody's buying or selling because the economy is horrible. Mindset, man. It is mindset. And then it's backed by skills. And right now, what we can do is we can take a look at last year appreciation. I think nationally was just, you know, just a tad over 18 percent, mm -hmm. all things in this year. It's going to be five. So buying real estate today still makes sense, particularly with a long hold. Right. And then the other thing is um, really build your top of funnel. There's a lot of buyers right now that are facing affordability issues and a lot of buyers that are losing out on multiple offers. All these buyers are going to buy at some point. You know, we got that going on. We can't control Wall Street buying residential properties. We can't control, you know, that 23% of the, the properties in America are, are somehow owned with a, a real estate hedge fund or Wall Street. Uh, that sucks, but it's think about how many homes are still out there, you yeah. know? And so... Survival of the fittest, man. It's interesting uh, what you just said is is you're really talking about things that we can control. 100%. Right? I mean, you're, you're talking about, hey, look, Fabi, change your outlook. That's the only thing right. you controlled. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if, if my outlook is controlled by the media, the Financial Times, whatever's going on out there, I'll never get out of bed. So if I can control my mind spiritually, mentally, physically, right, which then controls my actions, then I start getting the results between my mind and my actions. Mindset is mindset is everything. And and I've got a relationship with a guy named Dr. Martin Seligman. I'm gonna put my my coffee from the morning up. So that that is about uh half full, right? Yeah. You say hobby, yeah, pretty much half full. Um, but if I'm negative, I'm gonna see, oh my gosh, it's only it's half empty. You know, it's like, what am I what's my attitude? And I am I gonna be thinking that this is half full and I'm lucky I still have some more coffee to drink, or am I gonna be thinking Gosh, where'd the other half go? Yeah. Now, if we took that into, are you pessimistic or are you optimistic? Okay, I'm not, I didn't say, are you realistic? Yeah. yeah. I said, are you pessimistic or optimistic? And if you're optimistic, you're going to sell 53% more product and services than, the, than another person in the same business in the same geo area sells. It's just the, so what's good about this? So here's the final story. I had a, I can't get up here high enough. I had a, uh, no, seriously. You're going to just I, I had, for you? I, I oh, had, no, I'm doing it myself, right? I had a, a button about that big I wore on my suit, Fabi. <clears throat> and it said, rumor has it we're in a recession. I'm not participating. I, I literally had a button made up and I decided I'm going to go out to the industry and I'm going to have people feel that they can make anything happen they want to have happen. There's the button. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And it's all, and people go, how can you be so excited? Well, what the hell is the option <laughs> to be miserable like everybody else, you know? And so it's a good time to be good in the business. It really, you don't does, have, you, it really does come down to mindset, Todd. I mean, the more I talk to people, the more people, people like you come on the <laughs> podcast and, and, and grace us with your, with your knowledge and your experience, it just really comes down to choices that I control. Yeah. You know I mean, and then we can start to turn. <clears throat> I mean, look, I mean, you and I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say anything that, that mis misleading, but it's tough to coach or manage. I, I'm a manager, so it's tough to manage somebody who with a negative mindset. It, not only is it tough, but long term, it's impossible. And, you know, one of the things we tell managers, if you're a manager right now, do you know one, one of the biggest mistakes managers make hmm. is they, ho they hold on to people too long? 
I guess the bigger mistake might be they hire the wrong people. But once you realize that somebody isn't going to make it and then you add a layer of negativity, you literally have a professional business cancer in your branch and it becomes all consuming. And here's what happens. The longer you let that go on, the more expensive it's going to be. And what's going to happen is you're going to lose respect from other people on your team because they see what's going on. You know, and then it's like when you fire a realtor for the first time that has been abusing your life for three years, (laughs) you go like, okay, that wasn't so bad. I wonder why it took three years. Well, because you've never fired a realtor before and you have been uh, a servant to that real estate agent. As soon as you fire him, you kind of go like, wow, who's next? It's almost empowering (laughs) when you fire a realtor. It's, It's almost like you feel empowered, right? Because I remember the first time it was like, my God, I actually, I have faith in the God of my understanding. That yeah. I'll that income loss will be okay. I'll be taken care of if I don't get business from that X Y Z person anymore. <laughs> so this is going to be a, this is going to sound a little bit mind blowing, but we actually have people in the first ninety days of coaching track how much time they spend per referral partner and how much business they get. What would you think that graph looks like? I mean, I've seen your numbers before, so I hate to tell you. I mean, I, I know the numbers. Right in my head, so I don't want to cheat, but I, I know they're very low on, on us as far as prospecting and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, but but the the, the significance of the question is, and, and a branch manager, you got 10 loan reps, right? Mm-hmm. You know, write, write the 10 over here on the left side of a page. Here's your top producer. Here's your lowest producer. Over here on the right side of the page, move the left side over. Now rank them in order of time you spend with them. And so usually the guys and gals that are at the bottom of production are at the top of time consumption. Yeah. So now I look at a real estate agent that might give me a loan a month that I might make $5,000 on, but I spent 13 hours with her. And I've got another real estate agent that I spent three with that gave me five deals. What should I do? I should fire the other one, allocate the time back to the one that gave me the more deals and help her or him grow the business because we like each other. And I tell people all the time, Bobby, life is too short to do business with people you don't like. Mm, mm, mm. It is too short. You put up a graph one time. That's what I was referring to, Todd. It was very interesting. I put this on my notes. Time spent prospecting. We're we're, we're talking about this, right? 24%. Yes. 5% greater than the actual time selling, right? Right, right. That just, I mean, when when I see those numbers, right, it, it's like these are true hard-hitting data that you can't argue with. And I look yeah. at my loan officers that work with me and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? There they are. It's in living color right in front of me. What's, yeah. what, what's going on? So they're not actually selling. They're actually out there. And then there was another part about actually downtime, which was 15%. Right. Right, right, right. Which is down downtime is code for um, I need a break because the business is kicking my butt. That's what downtime is. But so so let me just point out to everybody right now, because this is what we do in coaching. So why would I spend 24% of the day prospecting to create only 5% time to have a sales conversation with a borrower? Why would I why would I allow that to happen? And the question is, okay, so what am I not doing with that borrower? What question or questions am I not asking that borrower? What am I not doing so that I could get part of the 95% of the time that could be active selling, right? We know in our elite group, 33 people, $91 million in commissions last year, we know that their deal is 24% prospecting and 47% active selling time. 
So oh. the prospecting time is the same, but they're getting a, if you look at it, they're getting almost a 10X mm-hmm. in terms of active selling time. And these guys only have downtime of maybe, I don't know, seven or 8%. And that's just, that's just break time. And then they don't work 40 hour weeks. Is it because you know? they were able to put together a team to handle Absolutely. The, the, the administrative, One, right? Yep. The, the clerical yep. duties, the things that bog yep. the loan officer down. 100%. And what we tell people right now is there's only, if you're a loan originator and you get paid straight commission to, to help people navigate financial decisions, get a loan, buy a home or refinance a home, there's only really three things you should do every day. One of them is to make sure you're producing operational consistency and brilliance, right? We've got to make sure that the operations are working well, which is a quality issue. It's also a checklist issue and a delegation issue. Much too much to talk about in 35 or 40 minutes. Um, So then the second thing you must do is you must build your business around consultations. And you must have that business be built around borrower consultations. Then you have to get really good at the borrower consultations. And the goal is to move from like a 20 minute conversation or a half an hour conversation down to a 15 minute or 10 minute conversation. And the idea is to then be able to carve out more time for more consultations. So Mm. I've got a guy right now that does 20 borrower consultations a day. 20. Okay, he made he made three point six million dollars last year in commissions. Twenty borrower consultations a day, and his conversion mm. rate is north of seventy one percent. So he's got three pods on the team that help support all of this business. But the bottom line is, he can get you excited and committed in five minutes to say, "I trust you. Let's go." Most people don't even have that. Like, how do I do that? Right. So it's operational excellence. It's consumer borrower consultations, and then it's partnership planning. So whether I have five partners or 10 planners, 10 planners or 20 realtors, whatever it is, I got to be in that game. Most people will do anything to try to get a relationship going and they fail miserably once it's going to keep it growing, you know? And so we tell people what would happen if you had 10 people and you just met with them for 15 minutes every single week. You know, most coaching companies tell you go out and prospect 50 people or 60 people. No, we, we go find the right 10 and love on them. You it's know, the, it's the right 10. That, that, that's it's the right 10. That, that's key. Right that's, 10. that's so yeah. key. What you just said. I, I hope yeah. people are really, I mean, if my God, I mean, what you just said right there, I don't know if you, you were slipping through it, but I caught it right. I'm sorry, but people have to work with the right people that are not wasting their time and they respect their time. Right. And right. I, I heard something today, like if you're with five smart people, you become the sm- sixth smartest person. If you're with, with five people who are working hard, you become the sixth hardest working person. So it's who you surround yourself with in your network. Who you, who you hang with determines your future. Absolutely. Yeah. But those, Fabi, those are the three things, you know, and I just, I, you know, I, I say to, I say to everybody with like a hundred percent confidence, uh, I can help you make a million dollars a year, every single year for the rest of your life. Here's what has to happen. 10 referral partners, two conversations per week per partner with borrowers that want to buy at some point in the future, not maybe right now, but at some point in the future. And I'm going to get my business so good that three out of the four annualized app and close. Mm. If you do the math on that right now, that means out of 80 conversations, 60 apps are going to be done a month. They're going into processing and, you know, 94% of them are going to close. 
So if you take the math and you go, let's see, that's 180, uh, 360, 540. 540 loans times, I don't know, how much per loan, Bobby? How much do you make per loan? I probably like three hundred eighty thousand out here in DC Metro somewhere there five hundred. <laughs> but that's your that's your that's your loan amount, right? Yeah. Okay, so watch this. So if I do five hundred and forty loans at three hundred thousand dollars, it's a hundred and sixty-two million dollars yeah. in volume. And if you're getting a hundred basis points. It's a good How much life. money are you making? It's a good life. <laughs> it's a good life. And our coach, our coaching, that's what we do in our coaching company. Yeah. You, you I, should I, be, you should be like a top rated specialist surgeon that helps people navigate how to structure and repair their financial life around owning, selling and investing in real estate. That's what you should do. You, you're not a loan officer. You know, you, you have to at least be a mortgage advisor. And, and you have to understand that the fastest goal, particularly for any of you in the last two years that have been blessed by manna from heaven with the yeah. former revise, yeah. is you got, you got to learn, you've got to learn fiscal literacy fast. Um, I have a guy right now that uh, was ready to quit seven years ago. Year to date, he's averaging 28 fundings a month and he's doing it with six realtors. And, you know, uh, real quick, could just, you elaborate a little bit on fiscal literacy? Because I, I, I want the audience to really understand when you when you say fiscal, and I know we don't have we're way over time right now. And I, I'm going to wind it down because I don't want to. <laughs> but I mean, good. It's, it's a great it's a great little topic you just you just embarked on. Right. Which fiscal liber, literacy, because I don't think loan officers really understand what that entails. Yeah. So so I was given that same challenge when I was 23, brand, brand new out of college. And um and, and when my mentor said to me, you got to help people solve their financial problems, I said, "How does what does that have to do with loans? Well, it has everything to do with loans. And so what I heard then and what we study every single year is somewhere between 7.8 and 8.2 Americans say that the greatest stress they have in their life is regarding money. Mm. And the greatest stress is either making ends meet, not having enough to retire on, um, not being able to pay off their credit cards in full, not have an automatic savings plan, not understanding dollar cost averaging, not understand any of that. So my mentor said, um, and he just asked a question and guys, this is, this is 39 years old. All right. The question he asked was, if you have a credit card balance of $2,500 and all you do is make the minimum payment and you don't charge ever again, how long will it take to pay that credit card off? And the answer is 27 years. Wow. So what I want to have people understand is you don't get rich ever paying 24% interest to a lender on a credit card debt that you can't pay off. Mm-hmm. And if you were to take that minimum payment and you were to double it from 2% to 4%, that card would pay off in eight years. And if you were to take it and double it again, so we're, we're going that route. It'll pay off in 2.7 years. Mm. So, so that's fiscal literacy. I want to be able to educate my borrowers that, you know, these are the things, these are the top six things at mastery this year, sales mastery this year, 30 year anniversary, October 11th to the 14th in Palm desert. We're going to make a major pivot and we're going to get every loan officer in America understanding the power of consumer centric marketing and fiscal literacy. And the idea that, man, if you can help people, under a larger umbrella with money management, 
you, there's all you have to do is is use Google and find out and go to Dave Ramsey, learn his stuff. You know, it's just like that's what people are stressed out about. So we're helping them create the largest debt of their life, and we have a responsibility to help them manage all their debt. Yeah, and yeah. and and that's fiscal literacy, Bobby. And that, it's that, huge. Really, and that really underlines your your whole thing, Todd. And we're going to end on this one right now, which is I know that you're a high trust seller. That's your big thing. And we're talking about relationships when we talk about high trust because the consumer trusts the loan officer with all of their financial affairs is what you're really talking about. It's not just if you have if you have trust. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and ultimately, that's what we're trying to build because it shouldn't be about one transaction, I imagine. Right. You're you're trying to create a relationship. I know for me, coming from an immigrant community. Yeah. I would do one loan. I would get the the cousin, the uncle, the brother. Absolutely, because they trusted me. They said Fabi took care of us. You know what I mean? And it was a stream of business. Um, And as as I got older and older, I began to consolidate their debt and that kind of stuff, and and explain to them the cash flow analysis and that kind of stuff. But uh, Todd, this has been amazing for me. Thank you so much for sharing with us so much knowledge. Look. I, I, I got a little excited a few times. I'm sorry about that, but I'm walking no, a little smarter from this conversation with you. Laugh, land, and eat. <laughs> you have an open invitation, by the way, brother. Come back anytime you want out here. I would love to have you back out here if your schedule will allow it. You know what I mean? This yeah, has been and um, yeah, I, I just, um, two things I want to give to your audience if you want to put in your show notes uh, on the rebroadcast. If you go to toddduncan.com, you can download a white paper called Talk Less, Sell More. And it is how to streamline the speed with which it takes for you to create trust in any negotiation or business relationship. Second thing is there's going to be a special discount code for anybody that is part of the Laugh, Blend, Eat podcast where you can save $500 off the sales mastery ticket because awesome. of Bobby and his team. So we'll awesome. get those to you and we'll get those in the show notes. I would love to do this again. You're a blast. Oh, I, I can I can see I can see why the podcast name and the the, the personality behind it are one and the same. So thank, thank you, so I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for coming on the show with us Good. once again. This has been great. I walk away with so much knowledge today. I hope everybody got out there. I know we had a little technical issue with LinkedIn, but I see some Facebook people are on here. So hopefully we'll correct that next time around. Awesome. Uh, Todd, once again, thank you for your time. You're JP, welcome. if you can do the magic and exit us, I'd appreciate it, my brother. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Laugh, Lend, and Eat, the podcast. You can now enjoy Fabi's article, Laugh, Lend, and Eat featured in the Vision magazine. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where each month we are giving away some swag for our lucky listener to show off. Thank you to our sponsors for their continued support, First Option Mortgage, and One Good One Recruiting. And remember, you have to be something, so be kind.